All right, here we are, episode number 26 with Memory Tracks. It's been a little bit of a delay. Actually, the original number 26 was supposed to be um, a friend of uh, another guest on here, and he ended up canceling through some very strange, bizarre, like, money scheme drugs i don't really know what happened it, it's really unclear to me and it was disappointing because this guest also had a, a strong accent which tends to get a lot of uh, a lot of attention so josh you might have to pretend to be british here or oh something. he's not hungarian <laughs> or anything yeah. um no but so it's good it's really good to be able to pick back up with um number 26 and i think this will also be the first episode that i post with a logo. Oh, what? Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, my friend Alexis is a designer, and she helped me kind of pick out some different concepts and worked on it, and um, I've shared it with a couple of people. I'll probably share it with you after this. I need a couple of opinions, but um, I think it, it turned out really well, and I'm excited to have a little bit, you know, just a little bit more professional look and feel to the overall podcast. Um, which is cool to be able to launch that with you because uh, my guest today, Josh Shepard. Hello, hello. Josh actually, uh, probably around this time last year, um, was one of the people that kind of encouraged me to actually push forward and and go about doing this. And the reason why you were such a great advocate for it was uh, you actually managed your own podcast for many years, right? A few, like, was it five yeah. Eight years ago or something? I had a, um, so for th- those people who just moved to Austin and they're listening, uh, there was a music television channel here in Austin um, that didn't make it. It was my first startup try. Uh, <laughs> it, it was like a decade ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, I couldn't get a job. And so a friend of mine was like, why don't we just record interviews and do that kind of stuff? I mean... All I had was a Rolodex, so yeah. I made this thing, which we I used to call internet radio, because there wasn't really a podcast. It wasn't, yeah, the concept wasn't so around. Really a thing. Uh, and so I ran this podcast called The Backline Show, where I just interviewed musicians in Austin and touring musicians, because I had built up a pretty good Rolodex. Um, and I did that till about, that was about 2008 to 2012. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was something... Well, when you're unemployed, you need something to do. So yeah. that was super helpful. Um, and that actually got me, I mean, I credit trying to figure that out and mm-hmm. build all that to where I am today. Yeah. I was a journalist for a decade before I... Uh, see, I didn't realize that it... I thought it was flipped order. I thought you were doing that before. But so you did the journalism right. stuff in Waco, and then you moved to Austin and transitioned into... The music music stuff. scene, yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. I never put that together. I mean, you were doing journalism; it was mostly focused on sports, right? Yeah, so I did a little bit of news early on, and then did sports um, in Waco and Austin. Yeah. I worked at KI here in town for mm-hmm. three years, yeah. and then got a won the audition to go to Emmy Television, and did that for two years or so, and then did the podcast while in grad school, trying to change careers. Cause yeah. You know what doesn't pay is journalism. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then I totally changed careers and yeah, was more marketing and yeah, which is how we ended up meeting exactly. Right? So yeah, we worked like several uh, other guests that I've had on here as well worked together at um, a 
company for a while and um, separated companies for a while. And then recently, last, I guess, November or so, I started working together again. So, so and Matt Wallace, yeah, who was oh, on that, right. yeah, who was on your podcast, you know, episode know. like nine or eight or something, yeah, around like there that. with Joy. Uh, Matt and I first met because we worked together at Emmy Television in like 2006. That's right, yeah. So he was shooting all the really good videos we tried to put together. Um, Which I, it's funny because I had met Matt through a totally different scene of our familiarity with people. And uh, I, I remember, I think, I don't remember how I figured out that you guys were connected um, other than just, you know, paying attention because it was pretty obvious once I realized it. <laughs> but um, it was like when I was wanting to bring him on as a guest. And then I think right around that time was when you started working with me again. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, my friend Matt. And you're like, yeah, I know Matt. We work together. We're working on this movie together and everything. Yeah, so. I mean, that's that's another really good thing that came out of yeah. Emmy Television was Matt and I meeting and then working on a documentary recently together. And that... Should we promo the doc? I mean, I mean, it's I already like, out. It doesn't matter, yeah, right? Well, yeah, but pe- you know, people got to keep watching. They got to you got to keep pushing it. I mean, we we will just it'll just be one big callback by the end of this podcast. Podcast, but uh, yeah, I was a producer. Originally. Oh, were you going to close on that? Right, no, oh, I spoiled uh, the show. Well, oh no, no you <laughs> ruined it. Uh, no, not at all. But it's it's um, when I ended up working in Waco, I got a job there like the week after September 11th. Yeah. Um, and was there about a year and a half or so. Um, but I was part of the sports team, hung out. I don't want to like bore people with this, but I've been, you know, was really around Baylor athletics. Um, and for those who don't know, there was a murder of a basketball player by another basketball player, which was a big scandal in 2003 um and so that story's always been in the back of my head that's yeah. never really been told and this is like pre-social too yeah. right so there's yeah. no facebook posts or no twitter or, and no youtube time. Yeah. right like nothing's being shared um i mean youtube might be there but i don't i don't think they were um and so it's always been a story that's been in the back of my mind that needs to be told and matt wallace was working at a production company and i had pitched it to him uh, and he took it to that company and was really, they were really interested and it took us, you know, from the, from the first time Matt and I had talked, it was about five years ago. Yeah. So, and then <laughs> it just came, these things. yeah, <laughs> it just came out on Showtime. It premiered at South by Southwest, came out on Showtime and it's called Disgraced. Uh, it should, I think it's still out there. It's still streaming. You can get it on like your Apple TV if you got like a Showtime login and everything. I think, so. I think it's a really good, I mean, I'm biased obviously, but <laughs> Um, it's not your. I don't want to ruin it for anyone that doesn't know the story because I think the story is yeah, so it's compelling wild. to watch from start to end. There's you know a murder and a cover up and a scandal and money. I mean, and a lot of people that um, decided to talk for the first time yeah. because it's been so long. Yeah. Um, and I'm really proud of it. That's like one of my things that it took a long time to yeah, make happen, to but see I, it through. At, at the end of the day, I, I think. The director Pat did an amazing job, and I'm I'm very lucky that they involved me through that whole process. Yeah, I think it's cool to plug it up front, and hopefully I didn't take the wind mm-hmm. out from you for stories later on. But 
Mostly because you know the rules. Like in podcasts, you get people listen to this shit for about twenty minutes. Right. Like, <laughs> and like this happens. dude <laughs> sucks. And it just so happens that the first song you picked is, is a long ass song. So I wanted to make sure we pop that in before anybody you know fast forwarded around and missed something. So um, I guess with that, let's uh, let's jump into the songs because you've got three for me today, and you know we we share a musical connection uh, outside of work. Um, and it's cool to be able to have this conversation with you after we spent a long day together talking about emails and billing statements. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I have the conversation I, I ever much, much more looking forward to this conversation today and this evening. So we'll kick it off with um, the first song, which uh, I think everyone will probably know, hopefully at least be familiar with parts of it. Um, it is Night on Bald Mountain by Modis Miskorski. Mazorski? Mazorski? Mazorski. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. We'll get corrected. Here we go. Thank you. 
That was Night on Bald Mountain by Mandis Mussorgsky. Yes. Nice <laughs> <That's laughs> <close>. Now everyone <laughs> is... Is that Russian? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. So the what we heard was written between 
I didn't fit in yeah. in that aspect. <laughs> um, right. And then you had to go to piano class every Tuesday right. or whatever. You can't ride the bus home. Uh, <laughs> or piano <laughs> lessons. Um, but for the first time, so I remember this, I was probably, I don't know the exact age, but I was probably seven or eight. And it was a field trip in elementary school here in Austin um, where they took all, took the students to the Paramount Theater and it was like a Halloween field trip. Okay. And so what they did was have the Austin Symphony, small version of the Austin Symphony, yeah. on the stage perform um, classical pieces and then had like basically cartoons. Oh, cool. Uh, like projected Like in projected the in the yeah. background. Um, and I knew the, I knew Night in Bald Mountain, but when I saw it, it for the first time, because, you know, we had a, like black and white TV where you had yeah. a hand, like there's no remote, like <laughs> we didn't have a VCR. I didn't really know what Fantasia was, yeah. but to see this, like, so they just showed the clip. They basically. showed the clip with yeah. the live symphony the live playing. Symphony um, I remember where I was sitting cause it was just like, this is like the greatest fucking thing that's ever happened to me. You know, it's just like yeah. at a young age, like cartoons, and in color right. and like classical that's so sad classical music like together this is like my this is the greatest yeah. feeling ever and I remember just watching Night on Bald Mountain and then them playing it which and it is such an amazing piece yeah like, I mean it's very emotive hearing for the first time that's right kind of blows your mind like I, when people I know some people don't really like classical music and I get that but I, I would challenge anybody to just like close your eyes and listen to that mm-hmm. and just like bring it in and it may not be Fantasia the the images that form in your mind but there's something because it's it, there is just so much in that yeah. um, and I love that piece but I just remember sitting like row seven on the right hand side like in these chairs just eating this up yeah. right in a in a crazy theater on Congress yeah. that I'd never, I don't think I'd ever been there either. There. Like that was the first time to even walk in there. Um, so yeah, I, when I was thinking about this, I was like, what is, what's something, what, how far back can I really yeah. remember something and to sit there and Seven's go, pretty early. Might be the seven or eight because I rem- I just, and it changed, it really changed a lot for me because yeah. I realized like classical music isn't, I mean, it can be so much more than just, what I'm listening you, to on the radio. Had you seen a performance on that scale? I mean, I guess probably if your mom was a... Yeah, I, my guess is we had... Uh, yeah, because we would have gone to the Nutcracker and things yeah, like okay. that. Um, but, I mean, cartoons... Which is something that was perfect uh, about right, that, yeah. Right, car- cartoons yeah. and classical music is not... I mean, yeah, I've seen Bugs Bunny conduct in the Hollywood <laughs> Bowl, but that's... <laughs> <or>, you know... <laughs> Figaro, 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 like <laughs> Barbara of Seville, but it doesn't really count as much as like, right? Did the, um, so it's cool because you since you grew up in Austin and you know you're still here, um, and the Paramount is still here and very much unchanged. So have you seen? Sh- I mean, I'm sure you've seen shows there, and do you think about that every time you come? Yeah, walk in no, there? I do. Yeah, have you uh, ever sat in the seat? In no, the same seat? <laughs> there's more rich people here. And they get the good seats. No, uh, there was one show where I got to sit in the second row, yeah. uh, which was like a Wynton Marsalis and his Lincoln Center big band, oh, cool. um, which was fantastic. Um, I got those tickets from someone who, and this is terrible, but I, I won't say the name. Got those tickets from someone, <laughs> uh, a wealthy donor 
who thought he was a comedian and didn't want to go to the show, and she offered him up, and I was like, hold it, what? You <laughs> you have second row tickets to Wynton Marsalis and the Lincoln Center big band, jazz band? And she's like, yeah, he's a comedian, right? I was like, yes, that's, yeah, exactly, that's exactly what he is. He's, he's will, not even a good one. <laughs> no, he's terrible. He's the worst. Uh, so I got those tickets. But yeah, I mean, that, that theater means... Um, I feel a, like you, a lot to me. I feel like there's in in the future. Now you should. There's like a show that inevitably will come about where you're going to be like, I have to see that show, and when I see that show, I want to be sitting in that seat. Yeah. To maximize that night. No, so, there, there definitely is. I I don't know what show that is. <laughs> I have to figure that out. Um, I guess a, another good example of how out of touch I was. Uh, musically with my peers was like I took my high school girlfriend like my probably <laughs> sophomore or junior year uh, to the Paramount to see Gregory Hines I don't know if you know who I that is know, but that not is not really a thing <laughs> not a, a day high night. school uh, he's like a he was like a Broadway tap dancer and singer uh, <laughs> how did the how, that, how long that relationship, did that relationship last, last? <laughs> Yeah, but I wonder if now she looks back to that and is like, man, he was really in tune with the culture back then. Yes, because, <laughs> yeah, 1995 was a big oh. tap dancing craze. Um, <laughs> now, did you ever learn to tap dance? No. <laughs> no, I did not. Dude, I mean, I'm just wondering now all these like secret skills you've been holding back on me. Yeah, no, tap dancing is not one of them. <laughs> Could you still play piano, though? Uh, yeah, I can yeah. still play. I have a piano in my house. Nice. Um, I, can, uh, I can read music. Yeah, it's like, never goes away. It never goes away, yeah. um, which is great. My improv and skills are lacking, but yeah. just a little rusty. Yeah, they're just yeah. rusty because it's you got to think at a different level. Like you just have to. Yeah. But I can read read sheet music pretty quickly. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Did you play like was a family band situation where your mom would you guys would kind of <laughs> perform together? Uh, <laughs> no, it was more just like you know the Christmas party would roll around and my mom would put me on the piano and I'd play, you know, oh. Christmas tunes for the, while the party was going on for like 30, 45 minutes. And then there was actually like real musicians there that would then really like pat me on the back and then yeah. they would play. Um, but no, there, there was no really family band, but <laughs> I some remember forced recitals, I guess. I took uh, guitar lessons in like from seventh grade to eighth or ninth or something like that. And I remember like when we would go stay with my grandmother for, Christmas or whatever and the cousins we'd all gather around and like have the little recital and I would you know play whatever like fingerstyle pretty piece and then I would play like the intro to Sweet Home Alabama (laughs) (laughs) and you're just like you don't want to do it but just you know for mom yeah I wonder if does that still happen oh I'm sure yeah yeah of course I mean at least with like piano and guitar it's relatively quiet I can only imagine being like like my brother played tuba, my youngest brother <laughs> yeah. didn't exactly want to bust the tuba out. <laughs> no. Yeah, I guess I I never really thought about it like that. I, I, yeah, I would assume that. I'm sure they do. Yeah. You kids gotta get something out of the kids for paying for those lessons, so you might exactly. as well make them perform in front of their exactly. aunt and uncle they've never met before. <laughs> you were just like, yeah, this isn't my kid. I'm not impressed. <laughs> 
that's usually everyone's like it's just the polite class especially now with youtube and like every other day on facebook there's some new like child prodigy youtube video that right. your aunts shared and like well i can't do that yeah that just makes you feel bad about yourself because <laughs> yeah, you exactly. thought you're doing so well <laughs> exactly uh cool well, should we go to the next one yeah let's uh let's talk more about pianos let's do it <laughs> all right so this is um this is from ben folds ben folds solo not ben folds five right right and the song is called Gone. gone hadn't heard that one in a while rocking in the suburbs it's like a we were just talking about um 
Ben Folds and like for me, he was you know big, really big when I was in college, and uh, we tried to bring him to UT and play a couple times, and and I think that as like the student group we ever successfully got him on, but then like the performing arts center brought him to Bass or something and put on a great show, and I think I ended up seeing him like open for Lou Reed at. Uh, Lollapalooza one year oh, or something. I was like, yeah. Were they yeah, I mean, I guess "open" is the wrong word at a festival, but yeah, that was pretty bizarre. It's the only time I saw Lou Reed, which was cool. But um, yeah, we were talking about he just puts on such a hell of a show. I, yeah, I haven't seen him lately, um, but there was a good pocket of time where, like, if he was coming through, I was going to see him every time. If it was with a band or just solo, just because yeah. he kills it. Yeah, um, he's such a interesting musician mm-hmm. it's probably the best way of putting it because he's a bassist and a drummer yeah and i think that both plays into his piano playing yeah quite a bit yeah um and how syncopated things are it's i mean yeah he's a very percussive hand with yeah. how he plays piano and and everything and he went to did you know he went to like music school and studied percussion Oh, did he really? And he, uh, what school was it? It was, I don't know which school, but um, he actually dropped out with only <laughs> one credit left to go. That's always <laughs> the story. You know, which I'm sure is planned. I didn't read specific as to why, but yeah, it's like they always say anyone who goes to like Juilliard or Berkeley or whatever, that like if you graduate, you'll never be successful. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe that maybe that one credit was like Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, I don't need this. <laughs> uh, it seems like it was a lot of money to waste, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, it worked out for him. He went on to be very successful. So, um, tell me on your uh, your tie to, to Ben Folds. Walk me in. So I, I think part of it is um, having grown up. I started getting to, into him in high school. Um, once again, not really a big hit with the ladies. Uh, <laughs> or actually my friends, because every time when they get in my car, I'm like, dude, why are you listening to Ben Fultz again? <laughs> um, but uh, I think just being a piano player, too, and like yeah. listening to someone play in a, such a different style and being like, oh, my God, I don't have to... How's he doing that? How's he yeah. doing that? And I don't have to play in the specific style that I was playing in. Right. Um, plus his vocals, um, and his harmonies are just ridiculous. Like he's stupid good ear. Um, and so this album was his first album as, as like a solo artist. He like left Ben Folds five broke up and all that good stuff. Um, so this is the first album and this came out on September 11th, um, 2001. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, there was like a whole group of records that came out that day because it was a Tuesday. Yeah, and some that got delayed. And some that got delayed. Yeah. And then like that Jimmy Eat World album right. um, came out like maybe a couple of weeks before and it was called Bleed American. Yeah, and they like they pulled it off, it off the, the shelf. And then just, I think they just titled it Jimmy Eat World. I think that's right. Um, There's another one too that had like the Twin Towers on the album cover. And I want to say they were like on fire. Like there's there's a lot of weird like... Total coincidences that, right. you know, of course become ammunition for conspiracy freaks. But uh, it is a fascinating read. I think it's like a Wikipedia article on what albums came out on 9-11. <laughs> it's worth reading. Yeah, it, it's, it's really crazy. So this one came out, and this, I bought this one probably the day, no, but yeah, probably the day it came out. Um, 
and was on, in the process of moving to Waco. Um, mm-hmm. I had just gotten my first TV job, um, going to Waco to work at the ABC channel, um, as like a news photographer, sometimes reporter. Um, and that turned into a sports gig. Uh, but this was like one of a couple albums that became my like my soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so to speak. And when I say soundtrack, I so when you work in TV, you don't get the same days off as everybody else. So my days off were Sunday, Monday. Uh, which was fine with fine with me, and then come back nine AM on Tuesday. So what I would do so I had a band here in Austin. I lived in Waco. Um, and I was just like Waco and Josh don't really mix. It's yeah. just a different, different crowd. world and crowd. And the, you know, at the time the sidewalks like rolled up at 8 PM and there's a, literally like a church on every corner. And I don't mean that. Yeah. It's just, jerk. Yeah. it's just a different, <laughs> world different there. Austin. yeah, very different from Austin. And I grew up here like this has been my home. And yeah. so, um, I wasn't quite a good culture fit. Uh, so I would get in the car I would drive down Sunday, see my parents, because I'd usually be staying with them that mm-hmm. night, see my parents, and then I would head over Saxon Pub, mm-hmm. see The Resentments, which was a group at the time of John Chipman on drums, John D. Graham, Scrappy Judd Newcomb, Bruce Hughes, and Stephen Bruton. And I was just... They're exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted a band like them. Yeah. All amazing songwriters, amazing guitar players. Like, it was always the best time. And then I'd have rehearsal on Monday with a band and then uh, hit Lonely Land at Saxon Pub with Bob Schneider. Mm-hmm. So this is like 2001, 2000, yeah. into 2002. Um, and then drive back that night to Waco to get up in the morning to go shoot a house fire or whatever it yeah. was, or drive by. Um, and this is the, one of the songs that I was like just thinking about when I was thinking through this is like, this is the song that I'd be on I-35 coming back at night. And it'd been like a good two days. And it was like, I, it, this is about to just suck for five <laughs> days. Like, I'm just going to hate this. Just the routine. Just like, this routine. No choice. This is what I'm doing. Um, I made seven fifty an hour. Wow! So when you break that down, that's fourteen four a year. Yeah. I was living in a really terrible place. I didn't really know anybody. It's not like I had money to go do anything. Right. Um, just just hate it. So those like two days in Austin were like the only the, joy. <laughs> it was like I need something to look forward to. So right. on the way back, it was just like turn up my music mm-hmm. and my explorer. And this is like one of those songs I remember just like belting. Yeah. Like just yeah. in every part of it, right? Like even like if I wanted to sing the backup, I could just right <laughs> hit, hit the track and just sing the backup parts because it was just like just one of those fun driving yeah. down dark I-35 between, yeah. you know, Belton and Waco and just trying to be like, keep that like good 30 minutes going because you're about to walk in high right about to walk back into reality um and i think i i wore i wore if you could wear a cd out i wore that cd out i probably i mean there's so many great songs on it and he writes such personal stuff um 
like his music is just incredibly inward. Like he's yeah. just putting things on the table for everybody here, which I find fascinating when you like look at his history and what he's written about and who he's written about. I mean, he's been married four times. He's, I didn't know. yeah, he has, he's been, he's dated quite a few people and, and like he's written love songs and he's written breakup songs yeah. and like <laughs> all the emotions, <laughs> all the emotions are there. And I, I think about that. I'm like, then you got to go play that song. Mm-hmm. Like I've got to imagine he plays gone. Maybe not every show, yeah. but there's going to be some show. Yeah. And course. it's in the, I don't know. It's just fat. It was just, it's so such, he's such an emotional writer and at least for me. Yeah. Um, that I really, I don't keyed in on that. Yeah. It's funny. Like we, I, I think, uh, episode with my friend Robbie and a couple others, we talked about like driving in cars and singing along and like that. I know that feeling. I love that feeling. And like anytime I drive home to Houston, it's just, there's, probably a rotation of 25 records that I'll just play front to back and sing along, just belt it out as loud as I can. And it just means something like it's a form of meditation in so many ways that so, really does help you get ready for whatever is on the other end of that drive. Um, and, uh, I love that feeling. It's, it's really powerful and it, it's the kind of stuff that does make you stick to the record and it will, you'll always associate to that. And when you jump on the road again, you want to hit play on it. Right. And I'm always, I always get bummed when you have to do those drives. And like someone's like, hey, can I carpool with you? And you're like, oh, man. I mean, so only if you're going to sing. <laughs> like, only if you're okay with me listening to these two records front to back and singing every word as loud as I can. Yeah. And I, there's, I don't, you're right. It is, there's something very meditative about what that is. I think maybe there's a comfort factor. Yeah. You've listened to it so much. You right. know it's it. It's like muscle memory. Right. You know it inside and out, and you're just like performing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so to speak. Very true. I don't know. I also... So we need to get you out to karaoke so you can do this song. <sighs> yeah. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like this is a, on the... I think this would be a great karaoke song. It would be. Um, it's fun. It moves fast. It's not overly long. There's no solo. No. So uh, I looked this up because I always been fascinated by it. Like who sings backup on that mm, track? So because yeah. he plays, we haven't really talked about that. He yeah. plays all the instruments. Yeah, and on this song, he does most of the backup vocal, but yeah. there is a female voice okay. in there, which was one of his wives at the uh, time. Okay, um, which makes it even weirder because it's basically like a breakup song. Breakup song from this previous. I wife, would assume, maybe. or someone, and then yeah. he has his current wife on it. I always thought that that was like that's so bizarre, but yeah. at the same time, like yeah, they're emotionally mature adults, so right? I, <laughs> I, yeah, maybe. yeah. Or is that just something I would do? When no, but I'm like 20, like at the time I'm like 22 or 23. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's what I would do. Critical question for you. This is an album about the suburbs in 2001. Mm-hmm. And in what, 2008, Arcade Fire releases their suburbs album. Which one's better? Wow. This is like obnoxious music critic. It is. Uh, I, I have to say this one. Yeah. Um, this is some, I, I don't know. I think just because I have so, so much love for this album, it's not really fair. Yeah. Um, but the luckiest is on this album. And I think that's one of the, one of the better songs that's been written in the last 30 years, just as like 
playing that go back and listen to this. that ballad is yeah. just lyrically uh, it's there's not much to it musically but it's such a like it packs a punch it packs a punch and it's not necessary it's so dark but it's supposed to be so beautiful and i think there's something i don't know i i love this and I'm, I'm biased obviously but yeah. this is this album is my jam nice very cool should we go to the next one the last one yeah, I feel like we have a lot to talk about with this one. And I'm really excited because I have questions for you about it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, before we do, I do want to make a comment that the album cover to Ben Fultz, <laughs> Rockin' in the Suburbs, he has a, a glass on the piano that I happen to have the exact same glass. So we'll probably, I don't have any of these records, so when we pose for photo for the cover, I usually try and have the record in the background. But today I'm going to have the glass from the record in the background. <laughs> So when you're perplexed by that, then that's uh, the explanation if you made it this far to hear it. So, all right, we're going to move on to our last song, which is by the artist Fonte, and the song is called Silky Tay's Theme. What's the deal, player? Man, I might try Jump out my Cadillac, cause I ain't having that. It bling bling so hard, you catch a cataract. You better get my money, ho, cause I ain't having that. You best to get up on that paper and bring it back to me now, never later. I catch a player, cause that's what I am, been pippin' 683. I beat silky taters, what they callin' me. And the police need to back up off of me. Got me for bootlegging and the grand loss of me. Y'all people don't really want no parts of me. Come on, sing my song, y'all can't ball. He's silky tater, got to get his paper, wow. Catch him now, but you might not see him later. Come on, tell him one more time what you see silky tape, all about that Monday. He got to get his paper now, cause it won't be funny. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. I said, police come and put their blue lights on him, but it don't mean shit to me. Why do you they just play a hatin' on the man Cause they know that he's right where he wanna be Always I say the police come and put their blue lights on him But it don't mean shit to you Cause you wanna be down on his dick And do what you wanna do I still can't Fuck that shit, you jive-ass nigga You never feel no crazy, man Me and Tabby Pippins is way back Ain't your mama Susie Okay, like I was saying, nigga, when you was on the clock, the nigga Sicky Tay was in the streets on the block, having holes when they man be gone, then pimple from North Cac to San Antonio, in the kitchen fixing plates for me, on the stage playing dates for me, walking too slow, bitch, wait for me, cause everybody out they know your boy, I stay silky, you rough like corduroy. I'm the pimped out plague and made poster boy Anybody wanna come to me, I shall destroy Cause they can open up and get a mouthful I go to MTV, I'm start picking Serena out sure She mad cause she got this so hard Get my money or you gon' be frying fish tomorrow Cause I do it like it's a pose, nigga My name's Silky Tay, you can't tell me nothing about these hoes He's Silky Tay, got to get his bank by wow Catch him now, ain't got a mic game. See you later. Cause he's silky tape, all about that Monday. Wanna get his safe for now, cause it won't be fun. So, 
And shit, dog. <laughs> we were running these goddamn bitches, dog. <laughs> that shit, hey man. That shit real. That was Fonte's Silky Tay's theme. Straight jam. Straight <laughs> <Yeah>. jam. <laughs> Oh, that was funky. That was good. That was good. So, Fonte, of course, uh, I mean, I'm not as familiar with the group as I should be, but Little Brother, mm-hmm. the rap group out of North Carolina, is that right? Yeah. So, Fonte is Also, like Ben Folds out of North Carolina. Really? Huh. Well, I, I maybe he's not ever, uh, met. from there, but that's where, like, Ben Folds 5 and all that yeah. started, because okay. I, I want to say he was playing in Raleigh. I think but maybe anyways. he went to college in North Carolina yeah. or something. Yeah. Huh, didn't know that. Didn't make the connection. Wonder if they were inspired by each other. Yeah, doubtful. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he listens to it all. Um, yeah, so I didn't know this one, and this is one where it's not on Spotify, and you um, actually had to send me the MP3 of it so that we could listen to it. Um, and it was cool. I'll, I'll be jamming that one for sure. But uh, tell me, give me some background on it because I don't know a whole lot. So, um, so there's not a lot to be, there's not a lot out there. So um, this album, it was Fonte and a producer named Eccentric um, put this album together in 2000 or 2001. I don't like, there's nothing that really, I can nail this down, right. which I think this is in it, like, we can talk more about this. But 2000, 2001, so right before Little Brother began which was um out of north carolina like you said but that's ninth wonder as the producer and right. then um rap, like big poo and that's 2003 ish yeah. 2000 to what 2007 2008 yeah so i found this album at amoeba records in la in 2005 and didn't know anything about it um, what I think is interesting is nobody knows anything about this album. And Fonte, this is not on his Wikipedia page. It's not, this is like, I can't, I found one article from 2003 about it from like some hip hop um, blog yeah. site that doesn't like really exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, super fan site. Um, with the review of it from like 2003. And like a rapid share link. Right. (laughs) Download the zip file. There's some old CD baby ads on it. Um, and so I, I made the most, I've only been, I'd only been to, I went to one little brother show 
And that would have probably, I don't know, probably been, I was back here in Austin, so it was probably around 2004, 2005. And I, it was the minstrel, there was that album, the minstrel yeah. show. Excuse me. And uh, I like went up to Fonte after the show and was like, man, I was hoping you were going to play like, I don't know, I named like two or three tracks off this. And he like looked at me with like such disgust. He's like, we don't play that shit. And I was like, oh, my bad. I'll buy a shirt though. And <laughs> like I felt really bad. He was caught really off guard. Right, because he was just like, what is this skinny white dude want to talk to me about? This is no what I want to listen to. And it was, I think he was just like, just annoyed uh, with it. And I kind of, I kind of have this weird feeling that he's just annoyed with it now. Yeah. That's why it, there's no it's mention of it. Um, it's not, it's, there's like, was a link on Spotify to it, but it's gone now. Um, and I have the CD. I actually brought the CD. <laughs> so the name of the album is called the story of the U S and U S stands for unheralded, unheralded symmetrics which were it's it's a really interesting album which is basically fonte and eccentric basically put an album together in two to three days okay um where there's 20 tracks and basically it's kind of a comedy album but more of like we're gonna flex our muscle to see if we can do this and it was basically shitting on the entire record industry so what they ended up so the story is and i had to write this out because i'm not gonna remember this but it was two mcs from west bubblefuck idaho who are in search of every aspiring mc's holy grail a record deal so what they end up doing is every track they basically built um the production around something that was going on, like a a, a like artist, a like at that genre. a style yeah. or a genre, and then Fonte would rap like that artist, and he kills it. So there's like a like a Wu Tang one. Mm-hmm. He does Dr. Dre and Eminem in one song. He does like Mad Lib, Quasimodo. <laughs> he does uh, like a Master P. He it's like does an SNL DMX. He, it's like, <laughs> and some of the tracks are just horrible um he has uh like the first track i think that the title is like girl look at your ass and the whole track's like girl look at your ass your ass is so fat and like that's the chorus um but they basically put this in and basically saying like okay we're this fake hip-hop group we'll on their way to try to make an album or make a record deal they try to emulate all these rappers that they see out there um, he does a Michael McDonald. He does an Aaron Neville on it, too. Um, it's fascinating. Um, and then by the end of the album, they get their record deal. But I think it, it was kind of like a big fuck you to the record industry. Huh, yeah. And that's probably why he's not like really wants to put his name on it, I would guess. I don't know. It's total conjecture. Yeah, um, it's strange. Huh. But it's, it is, I mean, it is, was a life-changing album to listen to for me. Um, when I finally picked it up, it just, it, it blew me away. And had you been a fan of his work? Yeah. Like I was a little brother fan, huge little brother fan. Yeah. Um, like Chitlin circuit was such a good mixtape and, and like it it was kind of very much. So we had, uh, I guess that we can get into kind of the story of this is, um, there was a house I had three friends that had rented out over like the breaker metric area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was the, we called it the 10401. 
which is like a palindrome and all that. <laughs> like, that's just what, like, what are you going to do tonight? Oh, we're all going to the 10401. Um, and so it was literally, I was probably there three or four nights a week. They had put basically, I mean, we're talking, so I was probably four years out of college. So we're all, there's, there's this group of us that are like just scrapping. Yeah. Um, like make ends meet, just keep, make ends keep meet. The check going. Right. Exactly. <laughs> make sure the, the, the power, on, like electric's on. on. And we're just, we're, I mean, I'm working, I work at KI at night, but I'm also teaching like marching band during the day. Okay. Like a couple yeah, of the so other, it's, it's like full we're, shifts. we're all yeah. like doing double duty on jobs. So when we get any time together, we're all just like huddled together. There's like a group of us, probably like eight to 10 of us that all went to college together. And we're, we're sitting in the garage of the 10401 and they've just put couches in it. They, there's couches in there. It is, we're all drinking lo- like tall boy Lone Stars or whatever the cheapest beer is yeah. at the, at the store you can get smoking cigarettes and whatever else, just playing round after round of dominoes. Like there's just three <laughs> tables set up. And so we're just. There's always, you know, 10 to 12 people there. You're just playing dominoes all <laughs> do have, night. Do you have a good dominoes game? Yeah. Yeah? You got to teach me. Yeah. I love playing dominoes. Yeah. Um, such an old man. Listen to classical <laughs> music and play dominoes. Uh, so that's what we do. But one of the things was, like, there was a huge, like, boom box literally in the middle of the garage. Yeah. And everyone brought albums. Like, everyone brought CDs. And so we're just constantly playing stuff and like kind of educating yeah, each other at the same taste like, and stuff. You know what? I just picked this up. Let's listen to this. So, you know, but there was still this like definite the go to's. So we're talking around 2003, 2004, 2005, that era. So there was like Outcast, The Roots. Mm-hmm. Um, golly, this album became one of those go to's. Um, some probably some Raphael Sadiq uh, in there. Uh, Postal Service was in there. Yeah. Like there were some go-to albums, and this is one that I picked up. And Little Brother, this is one I picked up and put on for the first time for all these like pretty big music nerds. I mean, there are band directors in this group and band, still band directors in this group. Uh, you know, just producers, musicians. There's just a bunch of us like yeah. hanging out and. When we when we played this album, I remember the first time we played this album. Everyone was like, "What the hell is this?" And I was like, "It just covers so much ground." It just covers so much ground, and you're like, "Did he just do that? Did he just do that?" And I was like, "Yeah, just listen to the whole thing." And everyone had like their favorite tracks and learned like certain lines. Yeah, um, to where we still like. We still quote them today. And like, there'll be some friends of mine that'll listen to this that were there. And they'll be, when he says, like, ain't your mama Susie? They will lose their mind because <laughs> it just calls back. It just calls back to like, someone would sit there and be like, I don't want to bang on the table, but like, Domino, ain't your mama Susie? Like, just like that, like, you, <laughs> that call response. That call response and just having such an amazing time scrapping, right? Like, yeah. Go to bed at three in the morning and then get at it. Do it all over again. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But I love, I mean, this album is a terrible album. Like if you're just like, I want to listen to like a hip hop album, like production wise, it is rough. But like the amount of creativity and what they really wanted to do and what Fonte can do with his voice. Like 
I mean, that's not an easy feat to pull off, like, interesting rap across no. that many different styles. And it's styles all basically off his head. It's yeah. all improv. They're just like, okay, I made a beat that sounds like a Dre beat. Now I want, like, right. just come up with something with, like, Dre. Kind of reminds me, I wonder, uh, you know, I'm, like, a huge Young Thug fan. And last year he put out the Jeffrey album where it's, like, ten tracks. And each track is named after, like, an idol of his. And he kind of, like, takes, like, a production style and a vocal style oh, really? of people that and he was influenced by like Wyclef and Rihanna and one is Harimbe and he set, tries to sound like a girl which was a little bit over the top but uh, it's a great song gotcha. but, yeah I wonder if uh, wonder if he is familiar with this record I, he might be I, I, <laughs> this is very like an underground record but it, it just yeah. it it was very I don't know I was I'm still a really big hip hop head so I think probably you know people that don't know that about me. I think it's a little bit surprising, but this is like a great example of like something that I could listen to. And it like just expanded my mind yeah. that like just to be able to listen to that creative process and get an intrinsic, like that, that feeling of like, he just made that up and they probably made that beat in 20 minutes. And right. this is actually, if they actually spent some time, this could be jam. Yeah. Like you said, they're just flexing. They're just basically making a point that like, Hey, we're going to put this to record and see what happens just so that you can get an idea for what we're capable of. And then he becomes Fonte of Little Brother a year or two later. Right. And now he's, what, he does Foreign Exchange with yeah. Nicolay. Yeah. He does some, like, collab stuff here and there. Um, I don't, and I don't think Little Brother will ever get back together. I don't, I think those... Who's the other guy? Uh, so um, Ninth Wonder, Fonte, and then there's the third guy. Big Poo? Big Poo. Yeah. Okay. What's he doing? He's single. Like, yeah. he's just doing his own solo gig. Um, yeah, there's, like, an interesting quote I read about, like, people asking for them to get back together. And he was like, well, you wouldn't ask Trap Call Quest to get back together. You would just let that happen. So stop asking me or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, I, that's I, fair. I, I, that's fair. Yeah. Like, just because you keep t- saying. Yeah. I need to get back, we need to get back together and do something that doesn't mean doesn't it's mean gonna be good gonna it, or we're right. gonna be into it. Yeah, I wonder it is interesting to think about like why he would be so dismissive of this record. But I mean if you put like as a musician, yeah, you make albums, you've been in multiple different kinds of bands. Yeah. Like there's part of me that gets it. Like I just don't really want to be associated with that because it's it's not who I am now and it's probably not necessarily mature. Um, but it is, I don't know. It is yeah. a piece of his story that I feel like he's missing. Yeah, I mean, it's, since it, it's early, I think it, people can approach it from a way of like, yeah, this isn't who he is today. But it's, it's particularly given the context of what he did and what you're explaining, it sounds like this is gives a lot of explanation as to how he was able to become what he could because... He clearly was studied up on all these different styles if he could emulate them. Yeah, I, I think Yeah, I, I think he's super talented. It's like a building block. Though. Right. As a fan, you kinda want to be in touch with, but to your point, for him it's maybe he just is embarrassed by the quality of it or thinks that it doesn't stand the test of time or that like you said it's I mean I it doesn't. Know. Like no one really like there's but a master P track that. on that, like no one really would get what that is today. I yeah. think that's, I don't know, maybe you just don't really want to ex- have to explain yourself every time. Like, yeah. To, yeah. to people that are just like, tell me about this album you did. You're like, it doesn't really, I mean, it's an album I did. See, what's weirder to me, though, is like, 
you get the big the big bands that then they do the reissues and then they like tack on all these alternate takes or the demo versions and stuff and like you know fans eat that up but you think about like the musician and it's like they they put this together and there's a reason why it didn't come out originally yeah <laughs> <There is. laughs> like, so i mean it is band, you want to hear every little right. nuance of it but from the artist's perspective they're like i never really wanted anybody here and otherwise i would have put it out but in this case he actually did put it out so it's i don't know i think it's a little bit confusing that he would be so alienated by it yeah i can't because i like that song it's a good song yeah, I, I can send you the whole album, yeah, and then I'm you curious. can decide. I mean, there's some <laughs> tracks that I think are phenomenal, and then there's some stuff I'm like, oh, wow. Um, and maybe that's just how he feels about it. Yeah. He's like, you, you can't... I mean, that's part of it. Maybe he's like, I like half of it, and I don't like the rest, but you can't only release half of it. You need the whole story. You Because ha- it is, a, like, the whole album Yeah, is that's the story. thing what's so interesting about it is it's actually pieced together. So yeah. besides just being, like, an exercise on different styles... It's like a rap opera. <laughs> it, it totally is. There's like uh, vignettes in between songs. Like, yeah. well, that didn't work. And so he went, it went on to the next thing. I, mean, like, I guess it's probably just like really cheesy. But it, it is. But, but so, at the same time, like, it's inter- it's you can't get a record deal. You're like, damn it. I got three days of studio time. Like, to be that creative. And I mean, it's all improvised, basically, over beats. I, I find that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I find that just... That's always impressive. Impressive and fascinating, yeah. that thinking that way and be able to stay within the tone. Right. Um, and push the narrative. Yeah, and push the yeah. narrative. Like, that Silky Tay track is probably the best produced track on that. Yeah. Um, that was, I think, one of those, like, songs that Eccentric probably, or one of those tracks Eccentric probably had and was like, this is good, we'll use it later. Yeah. Uh, later on. Um <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm always fascinated with the creative process. So I think, and that was something that I was, I talked a lot about in the podcast I did was like that idea of like, how do you, as dumb as it is, how do you write that song or what inspires you or, you know, what that makes you do a 20 track, like rap, rap opera about yeah. not being able to get a record deal. And basically in a weird way, um, end up getting a record right, getting a record deal out of it like further down the line like that creative process is just I don't know well you said that they did it in three days and I think yeah, everybody works differently creatively but uh, it sounds like they probably came up with the rails for the project which was hey we only have three days to do this and we want we've concepted like what if we did different songs and different pop genres and then also told the story of getting a record deal. And so now you've created the rails, which then he can improvise around that right. and push something. And I think you just have to trust yourself to just be creative and put it out there and then just see what happens with it. As opposed to other people who can spend like, you know, years or even decades working on the same project and iterating and iterating and drive themselves crazy and potentially, you know, produce something that's really shitty. Yeah, <laughs> the exactly. Just, they've spent so much time. They've uh, over, over engineered it basically. Yeah. I, what's also interesting about, the, I, I think about this album is it's definitely, <laughs> if you're like a super hip hop head and you're listening, um, like this album is the first album where, uh, Percy Miracle shows up. Who's in like the little brother album as yeah. in the universe and either skits or even singing, which yeah. is Fonte. Um, 
but also like this whole Roy Lee's record and tapes. I mean, this is a Roy Lee's record and tapes uh, <laughs> disc. Well, that pops up in the Little Brother universe as well. Yeah. So that, for me, it's like a little weird and stupid, but like that that history. It started yeah, right it's like here. A comic book or something. Right, the, like something good did come out of this. Yeah. Fonte. Right. So I don't know why you so want don't that. It. Like, so don't dismiss it. Like, so yeah. Uh, the people want it. Um, he's not. If he listens to this, which he probably does, um, he's going to send you an evil tweet. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, I think you cover a lot of good ground because we got the classical side, we got the you know pop piano driven, and we got the hip hop side, which definitely speaks to kind of your diverse taste. And actually, I understood like I didn't realize that about you that you had music mom and that you were a piano player too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't know that. But it makes sense in terms of like you, your hip hop tastes always gravitate towards like the Dilla stuff and things that is very musically produced and like the piano playing that is on that. And the, yeah. I, the orchestration. I, I, yeah, that orchestration, that production is, is what I love. Yeah. Um, and then really good, like lyrically it, it has to right. mean, mean something, for mean you. something for yeah. me. Um, I mean, that's, I'm huge Mad Lib and MF doom fan and Jay Dilla fan. And, you know, I like, you're right. I, I think all my stuff is kind of in that same, vain but it doesn't really on paper it doesn't look like that right yeah um, it's these distinct threads that kind of tie it all together yeah but once you actually study it you get it. that's cool anything you want to add to close us out here um yeah one thing i do want to yeah. add because i think at a certain i'm gonna I'm, I'm throwing my name in the hopper let's do it um because at a certain point we have to like turn the table mm-hmm and you need to you have to pick some tracks uh, and yeah. someone needs to interview uh-huh. you this is true you, someone has to interview Eventually. you about tracks yeah so i i will i will you want to put your name I'll down put my name the, down okay. as someone that well i think i decided that i'm going to do it at episode 100 okay just to give myself a milestone like <laughs> force myself to keep doing this. right uh, You're so it's, goal not, it's not about forcing it's like i really do enjoy it uh and it's i hope be i get sad there. when this ends on the 99th episode <laughs> <laughs> just like Ben Fold's music right. you're like and this is the last episode <laughs> out of that verbal contract but yeah no I think that would be great and I I think I have I've decided on one song which of course I won't reveal in this episode or any episode until 100 but I have picked one and I've written it down and uh, buried into my Google Drives um, so that I don't forget why I picked that one but we'll see alright eventually but yeah no I'm it, volunteering it would be, be great you're you aren't the first to volunteer. I'm sure you won't be the last, but you're definitely up there for for one of the ones that I would love to have do it. So maybe what I'll do is like, we'll separate it out and do one. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. It's going to be hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, cool. Well, I really enjoyed this. It was great chatting with you. Thank and, you so much uh, for the invite. This long time coming. I'm sorry it took so long because we've been talking about this for a while, but I'm glad that, uh, that it worked out. Yeah. I'm super appreciative. So. Cool. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, man. All right. Well, until next time. Thanks.